2: And the best part about Quince—they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back, and joining us now, Gary Mannion, all the way from Australia. And uh, I thank you for taking the time uh, to come on the show. No, my pleasure. Oh, that's great! I love that voice. Um, okay. <laughs> so let's let's tell the the audience out here. Like I've I've come across you and I've sort of been uh, following a little bit. And let's tell them uh, who you are, a little bit about what you do.
3: Okay, so my name is Gary Manion. Um I work mainly as a psychic surgeon and a physical medium.
2: Okay. Now, so as a now, uh, a medium, of course, you know, uh, we've come across and seen on TV and done and that. Now, a psychic surgeon yeah. is something a little different. Um, so what do you mean by that? Uh, okay,
3: so when I work or when the spirit team work through me, um, I see and feel hands go into the body. I see what would appear to be an operation going on. Um, in most of the world, we don't cut skin. In places like Brazil and the Philippines, we are allowed to cut skin. Um... And, yeah, we get some quite good results. Wow. To Put it in a nutshell.
2: Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, let's... um, What brought you into doing that? Like, how did you know that you could do this, and and when did it start?
3: So, for me, apparently I used to see and talk to spirit from a very young age. Um, I've no memory of anything before the age of 13. And my very first memory was my dad taking me to the local spiritualist church, and I was sitting down in the front, saw the medium tune in, and all of a sudden heard this voice in my head saying, you can do that. So of course, being 13 hearing voices in my head, I gave it a go. Um, and that started off my psychic mediumship pathway. Then when I was 18, I was invited to Manchester in the UK to teach some psychic development. And the group I was working with did some spiritual healing, asked me if I wanted to take part. And at the time I thought, put your hands on someone, let the energy come through, how hard can it be (laughs) so I said yeah I'll give it a go and when I went to start all of a sudden I felt this very strong presence behind me and I saw these hands going into this woman's stomach pulling this mold out which made sense to her afterwards Um, then I started being scientifically documented by the Scottish Society of Psychical Research and another organization called PRISM they researched me for five and a half years and through them we got a 90% success rate
2: wow that's pretty good how did well how did this affect your life as in um, so like where you were growing up and and uh, i I take it you were kind of a normal average kid, whatever that is, but just kind of yes. <laughs> and well you know just kind of you know going to school and and doing things that kids do um, yeah. now were you open about this to other people you knew, your friends and your family, and how did they receive that?
3: Yeah, so as I said, for as long as I can remember, I've done the mediumship and work with spirits. So for me, it was always a very normal thing. Um, My parents knew I did it, but I don't think they knew how involved I was. And it wasn't until I was about probably nineteen, twenty, or even when I started doing the BBC documentary, that they realised how involved I really was with it. Um, Friends, some of my friends knew. um, And then you'd get those who understood it, those who any time you'd say anything would be, was it your friend saying that, or is it you? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's always kind of been a natural part of my life. And, you know, I am i believe in spirit, and I love working with spirit, but at the end of the day, I'm a normal person as well, I like to think.
2: Right. Well, I would just think that would be somewhat alienating. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but it some, <laughs> somewhat sets you aside, and uh, some yeah. people might think you're different, or they might be, let's say, scared of you. Maybe not scared, but just something... You know, a little offsetting, like. Um...
3: Yeah, I can understand that, but you know, for me, because it's been so natural and because it's not dominated my life, it's been part of my life, not my whole life. Um, it's been able to fit in very well with what I do, and you know, I, I've I've had the people who I, I have told what I did when I was growing up, and then those who I didn't tell what I was doing. But nowadays, I'm I'm very happy to tell anyone and everyone what I do.
2: Yeah, and so and so, it's okay meeting people now. Like if you meet people averagely and they find out what you do, they're not. It, I mean, it's, it's fine. You don't, you don't find separation in it at all.
3: No. Um, no, I mean, overall, people take it quite well. You know, some people don't understand it and don't want to understand it, and that's fine. In those cases, where I can say, you know, let's just say I work in alternative health. <laughs> uh, and for those who do accept it, then, you know, those are the kind of people that seem to associate with my life anyway. Right. Um, but, I've, you know, I've got a lot of friends who don't want anything to do with spirit, aren't interested in it, but we're still good friends and we can connect in other ways.
2: Right. Well, so, now, this also brings up the other part because when we're talking spirit and we're talking about psychic surgeon and mediums, Mm -hmm. um, I quite often come across the issue of religion, which is just like uh, overdone these days, as I would say, but how has it changed your own philosophy or religion or your circle around you? Um... From my personal
3: experience, I can say that you know when it comes to life after death, I have no doubt. You know, I've had my own personal experience that has left me 100% believing. Um, as far as religion goes, obviously I come across it every now and then. Um, somebody who, say, has been brainwashed by their religion to think what we do is evil. Um, but generally, I'm, I wouldn't class myself as religious. I believe in life after death, but I don't want to abide by any doctrine. And I'm very happy with people to kind of have their own beliefs, and you know, I'm not there to, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not there to try and convince or change anyone's mind. I'm there to work for spirit for those who want it.
2: Right, I, I agree with that. I, um, I mean, I'm in my in my early fifties now, and uh, so when I was growing up, it was it was always thought of as quite evil. Yes, you know. Uh, yeah,
3: and I think you know. Yes, we see psychics and stuff all over the TV now, and. On the positive side, I suppose it's, it's raised awareness of, of that it is around, that it's been around for a very long time. The only downside is now it's become very sensationalized. Everyone wants to do it um, without putting the work in for it. So it also has watered down the whole movement quite a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it's got positive and negative to it. Um, yes. Uh, so, now, do you do this just privately or are you doing this on a stage with a group
3: um, we do demonstrations so i've got in the uk i've got about 26 clinics at the moment and i also work around the world um, all the time um, every other month i'm in a different country um, and i also do demonstrations in front of audiences and big crowds
2: now so, so what is it that you do exactly when when you do have an audience or a big crowd like so how does this get like, could you kind of go through the process a little bit? Um. Sure. So,
3: if I was in a demonstration, um, I'd do the introduction of what what I'm going to do, who I am, um, and then I would um, ask my guide Abraham, who's the main surgeon, uh, who he wants to call up. And then what I do is I'll get a condition. So, for example, lower back problem with a compressed disc or trapped nerve, things like that. And then from that, we'll get people to put their hands up who can take the information. Which will then help me narrow down who it is I need to work with. And once I know that, I'll get the person up on the couch. Um, I'll then hand over to Abraham. He'll take control of my hands, and he'll get to work. And while that's happening, I'll be explaining what he's doing inside the body, what's going on, uh, and we'll we'll be asking the client on the couch what they're feeling if anything as well. Um, the benefit you get with the demonstration is because psychic surgery is a form of physical mediumship. It takes all the it takes the energy that we all give off all the time, the kinetic energy. Um, which means that in a demonstration setting, a lot of people sitting in the audience can also receive healing while they're sitting there. Hmm.
2: And so this connection you have with your spirit a- a- guide, a- Abraham. Um, yes. Now, where did, when did that start? Like, when did you connect? Um,
3: so I first knew of Abraham when I was 18 that day. I went to do healing and just started seeing these hands go in. Um, and initially that, that link would come and go. So whenever I would do healing, I had to feel this presence. Didn't know anything about the presence, just saw it working. Um, and then as it kind of developed, um, I got to know the personality, being Abraham. You know, nowadays, he's with me pretty much
2: 24 hours a day. What, well, what led Abraham to you or you to him? Um, he, he says it's nothing special.
3: Um, <laughs> it's purely he has something he wants to achieve, which, you know, there's a few things he wants to achieve. Um, he found me to be his medium because he knew my energy. Um, and we have a set desire to achieve the same thing, Um, so that's why he picked me, but again, he'll make that perfectly, it doesn't mean that I'm special or anything else it's just, he can resonate with my energy.
2: Right, so now was Abraham and spirits, do you think that they were previously alive on earth as humans and they've crossed over, or are these...
3: Abraham's something- opinion, he said that he's lived on Earth many times. Um, his last life being probably about three, three and a half thousand years ago
2: now. Wow. Uh, he's old. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, <like> old. You were old. Yeah, I thought I was old. Wow. <laughs> I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> so, so you're obviously believing in reincarnation.
3: Yeah. Um, and again, from, from what I've seen, and, you know, I'm very much... Abraham gives me a lot of advice, and he gives me no reason to doubt his advice, so in my opinion, yeah, from what I've seen, I, I definitely believe in it.
2: Do you kind of have any idea of how that works then? So, like, if we reincarnate, um, are we coming back several times? Is there a certain time length before, or is there anything set, any sort of formula? So,
3: going from Abraham's opinion, um, Earth, material world, it's all about learning, and um, It's also a world of duality, so we've got the opposites here. Um, So, in order to progress in spirit, we need to have enough experience and knowledge to do so, which means that we may need to come back in many lifetimes to experience many different things, whether that's this world, another world, another dimension, maybe, um, and another form, uh, not just human, say. Um, So, he, from his opinion, we have many, many lifetimes um, until we've learned all that we need to in order to progress in the realms of spirit.
2: Wow. So now you do this. Now you also do mediumship. So are you. Um,
3: uh, I do more the physical mediumship rather than the mental mediumship.
2: Okay. And and so what is it you mean by physical?
3: Uh, physical, so a lot of people will experience it as a traditional seance. So a medium is tied up in a cabinet, everyone sits and holds hands, um, and you can get a range of phenomena from. Trumpets flying around the room, to materialization, to direct voice from loved ones. For um, so this, just a few things.
2: So, what is specific about a séance? Like, sort of, that's something that seems to be very distant for me. I don't, I don't really um, have any experience with that, and I'm sure a lot of okay. people don't, you know, that are listening. Right? Mm-hmm.
3: So, a mental mediumship is if spirit gives you the energy, and you work with it, you interpret with it. That's uh, mental. We're working with it, it's coming through our mind, we've got to interpret it. With physical mediumship, they use us as the medium or the vessel, but they do the work. So, traditionally, with physical mediumship, they'll work with a substance called ectoplasm or photoplasm. Um, and from this, as I said, you can get things like um, phenomena of trumpets flying around the room. Then over to things like direct voice, where, say, your mother, your father could actually come through and talk to you. And then through to materialization, where they could actually be a physical mass in the room. You can feel them, you can touch them, you can talk with them. Um, So it's kind of a a big step on from mental mediumship.
2: So, uh, okay. So now do you think anybody, like, uh, you know, when when I speak to a lot of mediums, they say that everybody has the ability to connect. Mm-hmm. it's just whether or not they're in tune or they're, they're they're giving it a meditation or whatever they they sort of say so is this the same for physical mediumship
3: um, so everyone is spirit so in theory we all have an ability to connect with spirit and work with spirit with physical mediumship if you work with ectoplasm um, every living being has ectoplasm it's a substance within our body however a physical medium has an abundance of it so they do say that you have to be born with the ability to produce an abundance of ectoplasm. However, a lot of groups now are working with what's called photoplasm, which is purely energy-based, um, and anyone can channel that.
2: So so how is it that you train or develop in this area?
3: Um, again, physical mediumship, I kind of fell in by accident, like the healing. Um, I was good friends with a physical medium called Scott Milligan, and he kept telling me to be sitting um, in the power. And I kept putting it off. So one day I, I agreed to do it, um, and we had phenomena from the first time I sat. So it kind of progressed from that
2: Wow. So are there other people then that? You know, so uh, there's a Scott Mulligan. Is there other people that you've uh, that you've met that uh, sort of have a good influence on you or helped you along the way?
3: Um, I've had
2: kind of various friends throughout the years. The problem I had in the UK
3: growing up is. Um, so we're very much run by the SNU, the Spiritual National Union in the UK. The problem is, is they don't really want to associate with you until you are over eighteen. So for me, being thirteen, working with spirit, I was very much kind of left on my own to do it. Um, you know, and I've, I've had people that have supported me throughout my life, different friends. Um, you know, my head healer of my church got special permission from the SNU for me to do healing before I was eighteen there, um, and she kept saying to me, "You're going to be a healer, not a medium." And at that time, I was very interested in the mediumship, and I didn't have an interest in the healing. I used to find healing boring. It wasn't something I wanted to do. Hmm. Um, until I met Aram, now I much prefer the healing to mediumship.
2: Wow. And so, now with this, um, the church, you, you're, you're mentioning the Spiritless Church. Hmm. Could, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what that is all about?
3: Okay, so in the UK, uh, we have the spiritualist religion, which is kind of run and overlooked by the Spiritual National Union, uh, an organisation there. Um, So they have various churches. Um, Some are completely spiritualist. Some are Christian-based spiritualist churches, but they still come under the SNU. Um, What we've got a lot of now in the UK are mainly just centres who don't want to do with the religion. They want to do with the mediumship, maybe the philosophy as well, but they don't want to come under the umbrella of a religion. Um, but spiritualism in the UK is a recognised religion.
2: And so, what's what's the what's the foundation of it? I guess I would say is like so. What so someone listening right now, you know, um, probably is familiar with kind of what the Christian Church is or a, um, mm-hmm. Church of England and stuff. So, kind of, what's the idea behind this? Like, is there like a God-centered, or is it sort of how does this work?
3: So- Spiritual religion is based on seven principles. Don't ask me to recite them, I can't remember them. <laughs> but basically it's 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 meant to be open to everyone. You know, that we're all spirit, that God, whatever you want to call him, is the same God. Um, accepting that life does go on after death and that we can still communicate with those loved ones. That's the kind of basis of it. The problem I find is adults got caught very much up into the Christian religion. So they have their hymns, they have their prayers, um, and it can be a little bit political, like any other religion can. Sadly, um, initially it was meant to just be a philosophy, but became a religion for tax reasons. Um, so that's also why you know I try and stay away from that. And a lot of people in the UK now are breaking away from that because of the politics. Sadly,
2: right? Yeah, kind of comes with anything that becomes popular. Sadly, yeah, yeah. So now, now you've moved to um, Australia. Yep,
3: so I'm making Australia my main base at the moment, um, but I still travel just as much.
2: Is, that a, is there a reason that Australia became your main base? or?
3: I've been with this work. Thankfully, I have seen most of the world. Um, and of all the places I've been, Australia is the only place that's really felt like home to me. So that was really my reason for wanting to settle here, really.
2: Hmm. Well, maybe you had a past life there or something. Yeah, maybe I was a convict in the past. Well, actually, I wasn't. I didn't mean it like that. But, <laughs> but now that you bring it up,
3: um, <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely something about this country that attracts me to it. And from a spiritual point of view, it's it's not very it's not completely new because they've got the churches and stuff here. But it's um, there's a lot of potential here.
2: And so, when you're actually doing a um, an actual. Uh, physical mediumship or surgeon. How, how does this affect you um, when you're doing it? Does it sort of drain you a lot? Does it um, give you like?
3: So with the psychic surgery, nowadays I can take up to about 19, 20 people a day. Uh, as long as I don't go over that, then I might feel tired by the end of it, but I'll bounce back very quickly. I'll be fine within 10, 20 minutes of finishing. If I go over that 19 and 20, I can feel very tired for sometimes two or three days afterwards. Um, with the seances that does put a lot more pressure in your body. So um, depending on how the seance went, if, if people weren't following the rules, they were moving around, things like that, then that can leave me quite ill for a couple of days afterwards. Um, but again, the more I do it, the more I can kind of sustain and put up with. Right. I,
2: I, must, I, I must say, but do, are, are you ever left with the effects of who you're healing?
3: Thankfully, no. Um, and I also don't walk down the streets and um, start picking up on people's conditions. Um, <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> I can become aware of it if I wanted to, if I wanted to focus on that person's energy, but it's very much when I want it to happen. So, you know, Abraham's with me 24 hours a day, but it's, he's there when I, when I need him and I want to work with him. When I don't want to, when I just want to be me,
2: I've got that space. So you actually have a pretty good control over this.
3: Uh, Yeah, it's I'm very much in control of what I do and don't want to do. And, you know, it's something we teach with mediums as well, that some mediums burn themselves out, and then they like to try and blame the spirit for that. But it's them that's saying, yes, I want to keep working. And spirit's going to take that opportunity. It's up to us to say, look, we've had enough. I'm not working now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Time off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, (laughs) And how did, okay, so now that, that, How did you get into the seance part? So where did that come along in in your life? So
3: during the psychic surgery, um, I got to hear a physical mediumship, Uh, went along and saw Scott work. And, you know, I liked it. I went to a few of his seances. I asked him to come do a workshop at my house, uh, which he did. And, you know, he'd been telling me for a long time to be sitting. So he did the seance, then he went home. We still had the room blacked out and set up for the seance. So I thought, okay, I will sit and I will just give it a go, see what happens. And as I said, we got Phenomena the first time I sat, so we just kept sitting.
2: So how did it develop? Like, so I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to uh, picture, like, who actually chooses to get a seance done?
3: Um, a lot of people have an interest in it nowadays. So you may find, you know, on your progress that maybe you start with trance and then as you progress you then maybe start to fall into seances. And you know, physical mediumship covers a big umbrella. So it can be the seances, it could be table tipping, it could be psychic surgery, it could be transfiguration. So there's so many different routes it could take. Um It just depends what kind of comes through as you're developing and what what is shown out in your energy. So whether that's somebody advises you, you know, you've got this happening, why don't you try sitting for it? Or you find naturally that maybe you sit for a trance circle and it naturally develops into a form of physical.
2: I'm just just trying to think about it. I'm I'm trying to um, uh, uh, really kind of figure out what... This is um, unusual in the sense for me, again, I guess being an old man, I'm thinking of the 60s and I'm thinking of um, the shows and the things that I've seen, seance, it's always like a few people sitting around the table and something really, it's always something bad has happened.
3: (laughs) Okay, I mean, thanks, uh, well, sadly, because of things like religion um, and Hollywood. It's always kind of been given a bad name, but it's not. Not when, it, when you're doing it genuinely. And, you know, it's also an industry where there are a lot of fakes, sadly. Um, well, I suppose like any industry. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so people have seemed to focus on, on the negative in the past, when it's not at all. It's a bit like ghost hunting. People think that they're going to spend the night being scared, whereas in reality you spend most of the night being bored because there's very little of any phenomena, and that's spread out over, say, eight hours. And it's not scary when you get that phenomena. It's just the idea that's portrayed to us by movies and the media.
2: Yeah, and so so, who who actually? Uh, what kind of people are the people that call you up for these seances like um and have them done?
3: Um, anyone and everyone. Um, I've had people come from all walks of life to seances. Um, most coming back thankfully. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it literally is open to anyone who. Has an interest in spirit, um, or wants to see phenomena, really?
2: No, so, so would I use the séance to connect with uh, past loved one? That's that. That I. Yeah. Would... It
3: it is always possibility. You know, the aim of a séance is to try and allow people in the audience's loved ones to come through and communicate, whether that's through direct voice, through materialisation where they can actually touch and, and interact with their loved one. But yes, that's the ultimate aim.
2: So so I'm picturing this as um, kind of the same as a mental medium, except for whoever's coming through, whatever spirit is coming through, comes through and uses your physical body. Yes. So
3: So rather than, you know, medium going, I've got your mother here and she tells me her name is Jean, it's Jean's going to come through and actually talk for herself and she's going to prove to you that she is who she says she is.
2: Okay, so, so they're using your actual voice and body to... Yep, to, to except when
3: they come through and say, direct right voice, it's their voice. So it would be your mother's voice if, if she was to come through.
2: Now, do you remember this when it's happening to you?
3: No, I have no idea. Um, before or after, afterwards.
2: And does this leave any sort of a... Um, I don't want to say scar, but does this leave any sort of a memory or feeling to you afterwards?
3: If if something goes wrong in a sense, if the rules aren't followed, it can be very dangerous for the medium. Um, and mediums have died in the past doing it when the rules weren't followed. Um, if everything goes well, then I'll just feel a bit tired for a day or two afterwards.
2: Well, that sounds kind of... Um scary a little or dangerous so what, so someone can a medium can die or you can be so so what are the rules like what rules do they break in order for you to get ill from this
3: so when a when a phenomenon is happening you have to try and sit very still
0: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.
3: because it's it's the energy of the sitters that are allowing the phenomena to happen so if somebody's moving around they're really upsetting that energy um if your loved one comes through and touches you until they're ready to be touched back you need to just sit there and let them work with you if you grab them when they're not ready the exoplasm will recoil back into the medium's body very quickly and that can create burns in the body um same if light comes in before they're ready for it that will cause the energy to disperse and recoil, which again can harm the medium. And if you're working with photoplasm, then it's very safe for the medium. Wow. But ectoplasm is dangerous for ectoplasmic mediums.
2: Yeah, wow. Uh, has Have you ever had any of these uh, negative experiences or bad things happen to you while doing them?
3: Yeah, we've had accidents happen during seances, and they've left me burned, they've left me ill. Um, Thankfully, we've had no major um, problem in the seance, but yes, little accidents have, have left me quite ill um, and given me physical burns.
2: So you actually get a, a, it's a physical burn. It looks like you burnt as in uh, under a fire or something.
3: Yeah, if you look at history, they're often described as electrical burns. Um, so a great example would be Helen Duncan, a fantastic physical medium um, who got raided by the police during the seance. Um, and died 3 days later from what appeared to be electrical burns all throughout her body.
2: Wow. <laughs> okay. Um don't have the police over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty interesting. So now do you do this in front of an audience as well or is this something that's just private amongst the people that want it?
3: Um no, we do we do it to an audience. Um because because of the risks involved with the sounds for the medium, then we're a lot more selective. So, um, you know, we wouldn't necessarily, if you were very new to spiritualism, we may not start you off with a sound. We maybe start you with mediumship or maybe a table tipping to make sure that you're going to be okay to sit. Um, but yeah, it's generally open to the public.
2: Okay. And, wow. Now, Kit, do you have to have, um, how do I say this? Um, you know, um, some of the more mental mediums can do readings over the phone and uh, uh, over okay, yep. distance. Now, can you do a distance seance?
3: Um, not seance. Okay. Uh, do distance psychic surgery, but yeah, not seance. Okay. Not that I know of.
2: So distant healing is kind of what you yeah. can do. Well,
3: actually, no, with seances, I suppose there have been cases of um, a medium has been in one country sitting for a circle. And in another country, um, that medium's home circle had been sitting. And phenomena has happened between circles, even though the medium wasn't there. But they still need to be sitting at that time to build the energy.
2: Yeah, I've heard that with, you know, um, uh, I think Victor Zamet is his name.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been to a lot of seances.
2: Yeah, yeah, because that's that's kind of the first I've heard about a seance recently. And and he was doing it at a distant or something. Uh, Not everybody was there.
3: Right, yeah. As long as you've got a home circle or members sitting, then yes, in theory, spirit could react with with another circle.
2: Wow, that's really cool. And so then, um, when we get back to the um, the uh, psychic surgery, so you can do that at a distance. Like someone could connect with you over the phone, and you can help heal them.
3: Uh, yeah, we can connect with their energy and see what's going on, and we can you know establish that connection for the healing to take place.
2: Have you ever come across, like when you're doing a uh, healing with someone or a surgery, that it's something that is maybe beyond what you can take care of, or if it's something that's kind of more than you're capable of doing?
3: Um, I'd say that Abram will always help in any way that he can. That said, I could have two people with the exact same condition. One may make a full recovery for whatever reason, and one may not even respond. Um, so it really depends on the person and when we're working, we're not just working on the physical problem, we're working on what's triggered that, whether it's emotion or an experience in your life and what the root of the problem is, whether it's a life lesson, whether it's karmic, past life. So we're going to try and establish or work with all those levels because if we don't, the condition is either not going to go or it's going to come back some other way.
2: Right. So there's no guarantee.
3: No, sadly we can't make any guarantee with it. Uh, we have some very good reported results, but yes, everyone's different, so I can't make any guarantees. You
2: no, know, so do, do they have to connect with you? Do they sort of have to have a? Um, uh, how, how do I say? Uh, kind of receive what you're trying to give them, or you know? So if a non-believer comes in, someone that's like yeah. talked into it from his family yeah. or spouse or whatever, and then he comes in and he kind of goes, "Yeah, whatever, whatever," and you and then you're doing this, will it still work?
3: Yep, some of my best um, cases have been sceptics. Um, the only requirement we ask for somebody is you don't have to be religious, you don't have to believe in why it works, um, you just have to want to get better. As long as you have that want to get better, we can work with you. And a great example is uh, when I did the BBC documentary a few years ago, um, I had a friend who, he, he knew what I did, and he was a complete sceptic of anything spiritual. And he was developing this breast tissue uh, because of his hormones. So I said to him one day, well, why don't you let me work on him? Um, And he said, okay, you can have a go. And after the psychic surgery, his breast tissue disappeared within a number of days. So when the BBC interviewed him, he said, well, I'm still a skeptic. And they said, well, what do you put down to your healing? he goes, well, you know, it's it's placebo. You know, because I allowed him to work on me, that, that triggered something in my brain to get better. So, you know, in his case, he still doesn't want to believe. he doesn't want to address that the medical stuff didn't work, but the healing did, but he just wanted to get better, and that's why it worked for him
2: how do you How do you feel about the um the general medical community than the scientific one? So now are they uh, they're probably not very um positive or supportive of what you do?
3: You'd be surprised. A lot more doctors are taking an interest, um you know some are very interested. Some will take the um, stance of, if it's working, for you keep doing it? Um, some will say, okay, this is work, let's not address why, let's just accept it's worked. Some will poo-poo it, don't want to know anything about it, and, you know, that can't possibly work. Um, it's really a mixed bag, but there is a lot of interest now from the medical community, thankfully.
2: Wow, that's pretty interesting. And and overall, what's, what's kind of the climate? What kind of... Um... Reactions and and uh, comments do you get from uh, the general public and, and media, for instance?
3: Um, again, generally positive. I mean, you're you're going to come across sceptics, which is absolutely fine. Um, but most people nowadays are interested, and as I said because of the mediums you see on TV and how the kind of widespread it's become, most people have heard about it, so it's not a shock to their system that you know you work with spirit. Some. Don't have an interest in it and they don't seem to pursue that any further and that's fine and then some people really have an interest and um, but overall I, I've had a good response
2: do you work with another psychic or a medium while you're doing these um, physical healings
3: uh, no nope. so with the psychic surgery I'm still fully conscious so I don't need to be looked after or anything like that so I can I can talk to you while Abraham's working and, and fill you in
2: and and uh, back to the Abraham, what kind of a connection, as in, like, what kind of relationship do you have with him?
3: Um, I'd tr- like to describe him like a kind of father Christmasy character. He He's there when I need him. He, he comes with a little love. He's got a very dry sense of humor. Um, he's never overbearing or controlling. You know, I could have an argument with him if I wanted to. He'd always win the argument, but I could. Um <laughs> so he's yeah he's very kind of he's there to do his job um and it, and it is what it is
2: yeah what Do you do you um have you developed a relationship as to get to know each other more personally like so when it's when when you're actually doing it do you talk about clients and uh yeah
3: so when i first started taking surgery because i'm not medically trained um for the first couple of years it would be me asking them constantly what are you doing what's going on now after all these years of working with him um, he can get on working and I have a very good idea what he's doing uh, or an awareness of what's going on and then he'll only really step in and talk to me if if I start saying something incorrect he'll come in and correct me um, if I've got a client that's not very talkative and I'm trying to distract my mind from getting too involved then we may talk about other issues such as you know what happens when you die things like that so I can have that conversation with him if I want to um, otherwise I just let him get on and work
2: yeah well, and- what do you think happens when you die (laughs) now that you say it
3: Um, again I get from his opinion it seems to make sense to me Um, so he very much says that when you die um, you'll pass over in a way that's similar to how you pass so if you die in an accident you may find yourself in a hospital situation Um, we then come to learn that we have passed that we're okay I believe when we first pass over it's very much like Earth we still have our material wants and desires until we come to realize that we don't need them. Um, I believe we're given a choice. Do we want to progress in spirit or do we want to come back? Um, even if we choose to come back, I would believe that most of us would wait for our loved ones to pass over. Um, I've heard spirit say many times that time is very different for them. Um, anyway, time is straightforward for us, but that doesn't mean that that's what time really is. So um, past and future, I don't think is really much of an issue for them.
2: So, so they don't really feel time the same way as we do.
3: Yeah. So, you know, you'll hear some spirits say that a lifetime to us could be a moment for them. Yeah.
2: And so, uh, when we when so we've crossed over and uh, well, what about the people that we've had a clash with that we don't like or that we that that are in our family, let's say, or let's say people that sure. you don't speak to. So is there a or is it something that you continue in another life or kind of just kind of what's your overall concept of that
3: um, I think when we first cross over that if we haven't got a bond of love with somebody or there's somebody that we don't want to connect with then they're not going to be there to greet us you know some people see a white tunnel the last thing you'd want is if you didn't get along with your father to reach the end of that tunnel and have him waiting for you you'd probably turn back yeah um, so I believe we get met by those who we want to connect with. And then as we progress and come to terms with that, everything we've been through in this life is an experience and is a chance to learn. I think then we have the opportunity to kind of forgive if we want to and when we want to, um, and then maybe mend that, that
2: connection. How's your experience with um, people that you've come across that are, let's say, really, really evil. I mean, um, in in life, Um, we've we've seen people um, like Hitler or like uh, okay yeah you know and and they've you know they've obviously been uh, a a very evil and uh, not a real inspiration yeah Uh, (laughs) how do you see that going for them like um so my personal belief is
3: I because I think everything is here a lesson to learn I don't see I try not to see things as good and evil I see things more as a lesson um, an example Abraham will give you about good and evil is if we talk about a soldier if that soldier has has killed someone but they they're on your side we call them a hero they protect their country yet to the other side they're an evil person they've committed murder and um, so it's only our perception that that changes that situation the situation is the same it's just a perception and you know the great disasters we've been through the great wars and stuff as a human race, we have learned from that, so I do think it takes um, a spirit willing to learn a big lesson to initiate that
2: oh, yeah, I think out of the pain and out of the the bad things that we um, we grow from we learn it's there's always you know again, if you don 't want to say good and bad, but there 's something that comes out of it yeah. i just okay. i I just wonder like if you're doing a, um, if you 're doing some sort of spiritual work with someone. If you pick up a vibration of something being very, um,
3: I've worked with yeah, I've worked with people who have done things that maybe me as a person I have an opinion about, you know. So I've worked with people who have murdered in their life, people who have been pedophiles in their life, um, and even if I have a personal opinion to that, that doesn't mean that person should be able to receive healing, um, and it's not my place to judge them. It's my my place to, to work with them and help them in any way they can. Um so I will try and keep my own personal beliefs or feelings about that out of the equation
2: uh, yeah, it must be hard sometimes um.
3: Um, it's not so bad it's, it's easier than you think it'd be you know I don't if I'm healing someone I'm I'm looking at the bigger picture of why they're there I'm not I'm not there to judge them Of why have they done this and that
2: and and and, and again now you're not um so when you do your um your surgery surgery or psychic surgeon you're not and you're not suggesting or promoting that people don't go see their doctor or anything like that no
3: no psychic surgery should um, always be an add-on to conventional medicine yeah. uh, even down to you know if you're on a medication a lot of medications if you just stop taking them can have a horrible effect on the body so you should you know if you want to come off your medication because you're feeling better okay but do that with your doctor's approval so that they can monitor it and make sure it's safe um, and and uh, if you keep with the doctor as well then at least you can be getting before and after scans so that you know you're not just taking your own word that I feel better you can actually go and see it for yourself
2: yeah that's good advice and 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 so now on the other the other subject that you've mentioned that you've done is the uh, table tipping so oh yeah what what exactly is that then so that's probably a
3: step below um, a typical sales um, table tipping, it's the sitting around a table, the table is actually just the conduit, so it's a bit like a psychic or a medium who uses tarot cards or angel cards, they're just a focus point. So in table tipping we use the table as the focus point. Um, we ask for it to communicate, sometimes we'll go more down the phenomena route, where we'll just look for knocks and bangs around the room, we'll see if they can move the table, levitate the table and then at other times we'll actually look for intelligence and for communication so with that we may try and bring through loved ones through a yes and no answering system um, to establish communication and get messages some people will then go on to say once they've established that link they'll come away from the table and maybe go to a board um, so that loved ones can actually write out messages um, it, it depends what route you want to go with it
2: and so so they're connecting with someone like why would you choose that route is is kind of what i'm getting at
3: um it's just a different way you know it's it's no different than a medium who likes to do it mentally off the, through their off the top of their head or a medium who likes to use tarot cards a medium who maybe likes to use a pendulum it's just it's just a different way of doing it with things like table tipping it's quite visual so you can actually see what's happening um Which can be interesting, you know, if you're worried about how do I know my mind's interfering, then seeing it, say, on a table, where it's a lot more physical, can be a lot more evidential for you.
2: Right, right. Now, so have you ever used any other things, like a Ouija board or tarot yourself?
3: Uh, Yeah, I I work with a tarot every now and then, and and I teach it every now and then. Um, The Ouija boards we have, I actually like the boards. And again, a, a Ouija board is no different than using angel cards. It's just another tool. It's only the media in Hollywood that's made us think, oh, oh God, it's attached to negative spirits. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually have quite a few discussions with that, with other people, actually, and other hosts on the shows, and I know that they disagree with me, but I think it's like a... I I refer it to it as like it's a cell phone. Uh, It's not not the item, it's not the phone that you throw away. If someone calls you and gives you bad news, you don't throw away the phone.
3: Yeah, you just hang up.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, um, but some people still really really believe that it 's evil,
3: yeah, I, at the end of the day it's it 's just a board yeah. it 's no different than the media, um, and yeah you know, to say a Ouija board is evil is the same as saying a medium is evil
2: yeah it 's yeah. just
3: misunderstanding,
2: well, yeah, and I love that when I see some of the shows and they 've come into a a place that has a disturbance, and then of course they they say, "Have you ever used a Ouija board?" Yes, we played with the Ouija board, and they go, "Well, that was the problem." <laughs> and then yeah. they're walking around with their their meters and going, "Oh, is there anybody here? You want to talk to me?" Aren't they doing the same thing? Yeah,
3: I mean the problem you've got as well. Like if we look at things like The Exorcist, you know what that's actually based on is a twelve-year-old boy who suffered with schizophrenia, um, and the board he was using wasn't spirit doing it; it was more his mental illness that was causing that um it's not the board's fault it's just become a
2: focus, po- a focus point for his
3: illness um that doesn't mean that we shouldn't use it for mediumship if we're not mentally ill
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i agree in that totally i think that's uh that's you know just crazy but uh <laughs> again that's me so uh where do you see yourself going with all this like where 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 do you see it? you're fairly young and and so thank you <laughs> where where do you see it Going like how's it? How's your life progress? Where's it going to go?
3: We've got a few ideas we're working on Australia that, if successful, will really change the face of mediumship and metaphysics in general. Um, With the psychic surgery, I would like to get to a stage one day where doctors and healers are working together as one. Because you know, doctors, the first rule of medicine is first do no harm. And doctors in the past used to look at the holistic approach. They used to look at the whole body nowadays doctors treat symptoms it's not why you will it's alright your illness is presenting with this this and this so take this tablet that will destroy something else in your body but don't worry we've got another tablet for that
2: <laughs> so
3: okay. I'd like I like to get a stage of the psychic surgery where doctors actually look at the bigger picture realize actually we're all energy so in some cases yes we may apply a medication but in some cases maybe we'll work with your energy and correct that which you know the um, the eastern world does um, with the seances, I'd like to get to working in, in daylight with full materialization. Um, that'd be my ultimate aim.
2: Yeah, wow. So who influenced you uh, a lot in your day-to-day life, like uh, as in books or, or movies or music or life, just just around you? What kind of gives you a good influence in your life? Um... It's a hard question <laughs> I know I like that uh, I, I just like to know what feeds a person that does something like what you do Um, I love what I do I love
3: working with spirit and I love that I get to do different things like you know maybe it's healing one day maybe it's a seance another maybe it's trance another day it stops me getting bored in my everyday life I can seem very unspiritual you know if I'm gonna read a book I actually like to read horror books um, I like sci-fi books um, if I'm gonna watch a movie I'm gonna watch a comedy or a horror so not necessarily a spiritual film or a spiritual book Um, but it's just I just love what I do and I get within my life I seem to have surrounded myself that also with people that also love spirit so it's become an everyday thing really
2: yeah yeah is there anybody in the field that you have that you um, sort of um, like to to watch or see um, in your same area in the same field
3: um, so with physical internship, I like people like Scott Milligan. Um, in the psychic surgery, um, probably the most famous one we've got at the moment would be John of God in Brazil. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say them too would be role models for me.
2: Okay, fantastic. Um, now, how do people get a hold of you? Like, what's, what's, what's the best way to someone contact you?
3: Um, I've been on Facebook. Um, go to GaryMannion.com. Or even afterlifeagents.com, our company out here. Uh, th- those are probably the easiest ways to get hold of me.
2: Yeah. Now are you are are you doing a book? Is that right or
3: Um I've been I was commissioned to do a book years uh, three books years ago. Um I just haven't got around to writing it. It's took me nine years and I think I've got about thirteen pages. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one day
2: maybe. Yeah. Oh it takes it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort and you have to have the time, you know. It's, yes. Sounds like you're going all over the world. What's your, what's your plans coming up here for the uh, fall? and um, Or I guess it would be summer for you, but for the winter for us. Um, what's, um, are you planning on going anywhere in touring now?
3: So I've got a little holiday now coming up in Hawaii and New York next month, which would be lovely. And then it's back to Australia, um, different parts of Australia between now and January, I believe. Then January I go back to Europe, um, and then from Europe to Peru, I think. And then back to Australia, um, and then just coming and going, really.
2: Yeah. Is there a favorite place you've ever um, gone to to, perf- I say perform, but you know to work? Is there some some place you really look forward to going to? Um...
3: Um, a lot of the places now, actually. You know, thankfully, my work is at a stage where I, I can pick and choose what I, I do and don't want to do, which is lovely. Um, so I've kind of surrounded myself with the locations I love to go. You know, thankfully, this work, I've got friends all over the world. And nowadays, I went through a couple of years where everything was just work. Now, when I see a country, I try and see that country as well, if I can get a day in or something. Um, I love Australia, which is why I live here. We're trying to live here. Um, but yeah, I, I like most of the world. But when you travel so much, it does get to a stage where... You know, okay. There's a mountain there. It's beautiful, but I've seen plenty of mountains. Yeah. Um. So you kind of you don't appreciate it as much as you would, and you know, most of the time when you're traveling, you don't see the countries anyway. It's more just the people. Yeah.
2: So what what would you be your um, suggestion for people um, to do in their everyday life?
3: Um, the best advice again, if we use Abraham's example, here's the best advice for anyone. Um who wants to develop in any way spiritually take 10 minutes a day just to sit in the power, you know, just find a space, put out a spirit that you're going to give them 10 minutes just to, to work on you on all levels. Um, that really does help, you know, even meditation. If we took 10 minutes out a day, um, it research shows that it lowers our blood pressure. It makes us less stress just from taking 10 minutes a day. But so if you give that 10 minutes to spirit, you'll find a lot, of your work will progress quite quickly.
2: Yeah. That's yeah, so true That's so true um, I, I have to say um, I think that uh, this is great the stuff you do and um, and 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 one well, thank you for taking time to come out and to just uh, speak to us about this because it's no, uh, you know it's it's uh, important you know and I, I hope we're able to do it again
3: yeah happily anytime
2: <laughs> has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! This has been a production of the Z
3: Talk
1: Radio Network. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.